I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Previously on The Report. Military intelligence, GRU, was engaged in hacking from democratic targets. The GRU deploys this tactic known as spear phishing. WikiLeaks, and particularly its founder, Julian Assange, privately expressed opposition to candidate Clinton well before the release of the first stolen documents. Time is of the essence here. If you've got this material, we're the ones you want to give it to. But the time to campaign winding down this new inappropriate video may hurt the Republican candidate's chances. And you want to give it to us quickly. And the reason why is a Democratic National Convention where Hillary Clinton's going to be the nominee for president. It's July 27th, 2016. Donald Trump has just given a press conference during which he suggests that Russia hack Hillary Clinton and release the 30,000 allegedly missing emails from her private email server. The Russians, unbeknownst to people in the United States, appear to take the request seriously and hours later begin cyber attacking Clinton's private office for the first time. And privately, Donald Trump has instructions for his top aides he repeatedly asks individuals affiliated with his campaign to find the deleted Clinton emails, too. His national security advisor, Michael Flynn, says that Trump made this request repeatedly. And so Flynn acts on it, teaming up with a shadowy Republican political operative in an ill-fated attempt to track down a trove of Clinton emails from Russian hackers. This is the report. Episode 3, The Campaign and the Leaks. When it came to the Internet Research Agency and the Russian social media manipulation operation, Trump campaign officials engaged with IRA content, but they did so as dupes, not as knowing collaborators. But the story of the Trump campaign's involvement with the GRU hacking operation is more complicated. No American took part in the actual hacking, But when it came to actually releasing the stolen emails, the Trump campaign is more involved. First, the Trump campaign and associates had a number of direct and indirect interactions with WikiLeaks about the release of stolen materials. And second, the campaign set off on a bizarre effort to recover those 30,000 emails that the president publicly asked the Russians to hack at a press conference. Russia, if you're listening, I hope WikiLeaks was a central part of the Russian operation to hack and dump Democratic-affiliated emails for the purposes of helping Donald Trump and harming Hillary Clinton. So what did candidate Trump and members of his campaign know in advance about WikiLeaks' plan to release hacked emails? The Mueller report seems to have a lot to say about the answer to this question. There's a whole section devoted to the, quote, Trump campaign and the dissemination of hacked materials. The problem is that huge sections of the nearly eight pages devoted to the subject are redacted. 
The reason for the redactions is to protect the ongoing prosecution of longtime Trump associate Roger Stone. But the effect of reading this section of the report is a bit like eavesdropping on a conversation you're only getting snippets of. As always, my colleague Benjamin Wittes will be reading and paraphrasing portions of the Mueller report. Here's what the report says about the Trump campaign's connection to the dissemination of hacked emails. At least, here's the parts we can make out. The Trump campaign showed interest in WikiLeaks's releases throughout the summer and fall of 2016. On June 12, 2016, Assange claimed in a televised interview to, quote, have emails relating to Hillary Clinton, which are pending publication, unquote, but provided no additional context. In debriefings with the office, former deputy campaign chairman Rick Gates said that Gates recalled candidate Trump being generally frustrated that the Clinton emails had not been found. The whole section is like this. Tantalizing details suggesting maybe the next sentence finally tells us explicitly what the Trump campaign knew, what the president himself knew and did. And then you run smack into a redaction. There's a part about Paul Manafort, but we don't know what it says. Michael Cohen says he was with Trump in his office at Trump Tower when something, but it's redacted. And after WikiLeaks released the DNC emails in July 2016, Cohen said Trump told him something, but again, what he said is redacted. Remember, we know all of this has something to do with the campaign contacts with WikiLeaks, because that's the title of the section we're in, Trump campaign and the dissemination of hacked materials. Rick Gates says Manafort expresses excitement about the release. And after the July 22nd WikiLeaks release, Manafort spoke with Trump, but the details of that conversation are redacted. Manafort told Gates to keep in touch with somebody about future WikiLeaks releases. That person's name is redacted, but we can be pretty sure that's Roger Stone. While Trump and Gates were driving to LaGuardia Airport, one of them got a call. We don't know who because, you guessed it, it's redacted. But the report says, Shortly after the call, candidate Trump told Gates that more releases of damaging information would be coming. Here's one part, just before the line about the call, that's not redacted. According to Gates, by the late summer of 2016, the Trump campaign was planning a press strategy, a communications campaign, and messaging based on the possible release of Clinton emails by WikiLeaks. Let's pause for a minute on this. It's already been publicly reported that the Russians are behind the DNC hack. And yet the Trump campaign is planning a press strategy, communications campaign, and messaging based on the release of Clinton's emails by WikiLeaks. Here's what that sounded like on the campaign trail. The WikiLeaks documents show the Hillary Clinton documents released by WikiLeaks. Today, WikiLeaks release New emails. Secret speeches released by WikiLeaks. The WikiLeaks revelations through WikiLeaks. 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 Of course, he didn't know that there was a thing called WikiLeaks, right? He didn't know about that. As I mentioned before, the reason for all of these redactions is to protect the ongoing prosecution of Trump associate Roger Stone. 
Stone has been indicted by a federal grand jury in the District of Columbia on multiple counts, including obstruction of an official proceeding, making false statements, and witness tampering. Lawfare Managing Editor Quinta Jurassic has been closely following the indictment of Roger Stone, and she explains that court filings in the Stone case, as well as a draft agreement by the special counsel's office in a related case, actually tell us a lot about what's behind those black redaction bars. Jurassic explains how Roger Stone fits into all of this. So Roger Stone is a longtime political operative known as kind of a dirty trickster and a confidant of Donald Trump. At first, he's an informal campaign advisor to Trump. He leaves that role in August 2015, but he stays in touch with the campaign. And there's evidence that Mueller has set out that Stone was one of the Trump campaign's sources about future WikiLeaks releases. Mark Mazzetti is a reporter for The New York Times. He cautions that you can't always take Roger Stone at his word. Well, the, the, the problem is, is that you're dealing with someone in Roger Stone who has made an entire career uh, exaggerating uh, what he knows, lying. He takes pride in it, actually. Um, he calls himself a dirty trickster. He considers Nixon his political hero. He thinks that by, you know, a degree of exaggeration or a lot of exaggeration, um, it can uh, inflate his own reputation. Uh, so what exactly did he know and when did he know it? Stone may muddy the waters, but Jurassic says some facts are clear. John Podesta's email is hacked on March 2016. Then in June, Assange says he's going to release the Clinton emails. Two days after the Assange announcement, the Washington Post reports that the Russians have hacked the Democratic National Committee and Guccifer 2.0 starts releasing the stolen files. After this, Stone is kind of telling Trump campaign officials that he knows that more releases from WikiLeaks are coming. And when WikiLeaks dumps the emails before the DNC, a senior Trump official is directed, that's the language used in the report, to contact Roger Stone to see if he knows whether more dumps of emails are coming. Stone's indictment doesn't say who gave the instruction, but there aren't many people able to give instructions to senior campaign officials. One of those people, presumably, is the candidate, Donald Trump. Here's Mark Mazzetti again. And that's one of the, again, odd aspects of the indictment, uh, you know, when it actually says Stone is, it says you know, Stone was, quote, was directed to go get more information. Now, the use of passive voice is very odd. Um, you know, these are lawyers with very good educations who are taught not to use the passive voice. And so it's jumped out to us uh, that why is it was directed? Who directed him? Whoever it was that gave the order, the Trump campaign wanted to know more about what WikiLeaks was planning from Stone. And Stone tried to get them answers. So the Trump campaign asks Stone to go out and get more information, and he follows through. He starts by asking this person, Jerome Corsi, who is kind of a right-wing fringe commentator, first comes to prominence uh, by peddling the birther conspiracy that Barack Obama wasn't actually born in the United States. Stone is using Corsi as kind of a go-between to get in touch with Julian Assange. Corsi, in turn, turns around and passes this request to a person named Ted Malik an American writer who lives in the UK and has ties to Assange. In August, Corsi sends Stone an email, which reads, word is, friend and embassy plans two more dumps. 
one shortly after I'm back, second in October. Impact planned to be very damaging. And about two weeks after getting the email from Corsi, Stone, we know, is messaging back and forth on Twitter with the Guccifer 2.0 account, who, of course, is actually the GRU. Then, on August 21st, Stone sends out what will prove to be a prescient tweet. He writes that it will soon be Podesta's time in the barrel. At the time, no one yet publicly knows that John Podesta has been hacked by the Russians. And the question becomes whether this was just a lucky guess or something more. Stone obviously has the information that Corsi sent him, but he's also in touch with Randy Credico, a radio host who independently has connections to Assange. At one point, Credico actually sends Stone a photo of himself from outside the Ecuadorian embassy in London, where Assange is holed up. Uh, On October 1st, Credico sends Stone a text that reads, Big news Wednesday, now pretend you don't know me. Stone then turns around and tweets, Wednesday, Hillary Clinton is done, hashtag WikiLeaks. But on the following Wednesday, Assange doesn't actually release anything. The Trump campaign is now expecting a Wednesday leak, and when that doesn't happen, Steve Bannon reaches out to ask Stone, sort of, hey, what's going on? At that point, Stone tells Bannon that there's going to be, quote, a load every week going forward. But we don't actually know whether Stone got that information from Corsi or Credico or somewhere else, or whether he's just making it up to make himself appear really connected and sort of puff himself up to Bannon. It's when WikiLeaks releases the Podesta emails on October 7th that all of a sudden Stone's August tweet about Podesta's time in the barrel starts to look less like a lucky guess and maybe like he actually did know something. So where does that leave us? There's still a lot we don't know. It sure seems like Stone had some information about WikiLeaks releases in advance, though the precise source remains murky. We do know that Stone fed information, real or stuff he made up, about the WikiLeaks releases into the Trump campaign, and that the Trump campaign actively was reaching out to Stone, trying to get more information about releases. And we know that this was happening at a time where the Trump campaign was, according to Gates, planning an entire campaign strategy around WikiLeaks, and candidate Trump was openly praising WikiLeaks. And we know there is some part of this story behind those black redaction bars, a part of the story that Robert Mueller believes is relevant. But Stone doesn't seem to be the definitive or direct link to WikiLeaks and the Russians. He's just yet another piece of the puzzle. So for now, at least some of the questions remain unanswered. As it turns out, though, during this very same time, there were also people inside the Trump campaign who were communicating directly with WikiLeaks themselves, namely the president's eldest son, Donald Trump Jr. Donald Trump Jr. confirms he had direct communication with WikiLeaks during... Lawmakers are demanding answers after President Trump's son, Donald Trump Jr., admitted Monday he exchanged a series of private messages with WikiLeaks on Twitter. Members of the House Intelligence Committee want to subpoena Twitter to obtain messages between Donald Trump Jr. and WikiLeaks. For this, we'll return to the Mueller report itself. 
Donald Trump Jr. had direct electronic communications with WikiLeaks during the campaign period. On September 20, 2016, an individual named Jason Fishbein sent WikiLeaks the password for an unlaunched website focused on Trump's, quote, unprecedented and dangerous ties to Russia, PutinTrump.org, unquote. WikiLeaks publicly tweeted, quote, let's bomb Iraq. Progress for America PAC to launch PutinTrump.org at 9.30 a.m. Oops, PW is PutinTrump, PutinTrump.org, unquote. Several hours later, WikiLeaks sent a Twitter direct message to Donald Trump Jr. The journalist Julia Yaffe first broke the story about Donald Trump Jr.'s communications with WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks, which the... American government believes is an agent of Russian intelligence or at least a willing collaborator, reached out to the Trump campaign through Donald Trump Jr., the president's son, and one of his main campaign surrogates on September 20th, 2016. It was kind of like a trial balloon message, right? Uh, the WikiLeaks account messages, uh, sends a direct message to Donald Trump Jr. and says that a there's this pack that is an anti-Trump pack that is kind of putting out all this stuff about, negative stuff about Trump. We figured out the password, and here it is. And if you want to take a look at this, go ahead. Uh, the password happened to be Putin Trump, <laughs> which was, uh, I think, very prescient. Several hours later, Trump Jr. emailed a variety of senior campaign staff. Quote, guys, I got a weird Twitter DM from WikiLeaks. See below. I tried the password, and it works. Not sure if this is anything, but it seems like it's really WikiLeaks asking me as I follow them, and it is a DM. Do you know the people mentioned and what the conspiracy they are looking for could be? Trump Jr. attached a screenshot of the About page for the unlaunched site PutinTrump.org. The next day, after the website had launched publicly, Trump Jr. sent a direct message to WikiLeaks. Donald Trump Jr. didn't know, you know, he says, off the record, I don't know who that is, but I'll ask around. Thanks. Uh, that was his response the next day. So that was kind of the first outreach. On October 3rd, 2016, WikiLeaks sent another direct message to Trump Jr. asking, quote, you guys, unquote, to help disseminate a link alleging candidate Clinton had advocated using a drone to target Julian Assange. Trump Jr. responded, he already had done so and asked, quote, what's behind this Wednesday leak I keep reading about, unquote. WikiLeaks did not respond. WikiLeaks writes again October 3rd, 2016 and says, Hiya, it'd be great if you guys could comment on slash push this story. And they attached a quote from Hillary Clinton about wanting to drone Julian Assange. And Trump Jr. responds again, and he says, already did that earlier today. It's amazing what she can get away with. And two minutes later, Trump Jr. follows up again, and he says, what's behind this Wednesday leak I keep reading about? And we think it was uh, because the day before, Roger Stone, who was then a, an informal advisor to the Trump campaign, had tweeted that on Wednesday, at Hillary Clinton is done, hashtag WikiLeaks. So he clearly wanted to connect the dots that he, even he was seeing, right? That, hmm, Roger Stone is talking about WikiLeaks and 
that they were going to go after Hillary Clinton. On October 12th, 2016, WikiLeaks wrote again that it was, quote, great to see you and your dad talking about our publications. Strongly suggest your dad tweets this link if he mentions us, unquote. WikiLeaks wrote that the link would help Trump in, quote, digging through leaked emails and stated, quote, we just released Podesta emails part four, unquote. Two days later, Trump Jr. publicly tweeted the link. But they do message again on October 12th, which I should say is five days after the Department of Homeland Security and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence put out a statement basically leaning on the horn, on the alarm, breaking the glass, everything, saying uh, the Russians are meddling in our elections and this is real and this is serious and we got to pay attention to this. But of course, nobody was paying attention to this because the Access Hollywood tape had been released and because WikiLeaks started dumping the Podesta emails. So in the kind of ferment of this, WikiLeaks again message Donald Trump Jr. and they say, hey, Donald, great to see you and your dad talking about our publications. Um, And that's because two days prior, Donald Trump had said, I love WikiLeaks at a rally. And the message goes on. It says, strongly suggest your dad tweets this link if he mentions us. So Donald Trump Jr. doesn't respond to this. But 15 minutes after that message was sent to him, Donald Trump himself tweets a tweet that is very, very similar to what WikiLeaks is saying, saying, very little pickup by the dishonest media of incredible information provided by WikiLeaks. So dishonest, exclamation mark, rigged system, exclamation mark. This whole election is being rigged. When it came to hacked Clinton emails, the Trump campaign and its associates didn't just leave things to WikiLeaks. In what may be the most bizarre escapade of the entire Mueller report, the Trump campaign, including Trump himself, sets out on a wild goose chase to get probably fake Clinton emails from probably fake Russian hackers, even as real Russian hackers are busily releasing real Clinton campaign emails. Remember when Trump said this in July 2016? Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Trump wasn't pulling that out of nowhere. When Hillary Clinton turned over emails from her private server to the State Department, her lawyers retained and deleted those that they regarded as purely private. These became known as the 30,000 missing emails. It's easy to get confused here because there's lots of hacking and emails and real things and fake things flying around. But the 30,000 Clinton server emails are different from those emails stolen from the DNC and Podesta and others affiliated with the Clinton campaign. Those emails actually were hacked and stolen. The 30,000 Clinton emails we're talking about here don't really have much to do with the GRU operation and there's no evidence they were hacked or stolen at all. But those emails became the subject of conspiracy theories. One of those conspiracy theorists was a man named Peter Smith. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Shane Harris is a journalist with The Washington Post. So Peter Smith was a Republican longtime I guess operative might be a good general term to describe him, doesn't entirely capture what he did. He was kind of present for a lot of the Bill Clinton era muckraking and kind of the the, the scandal that um, uh, attended much of his presidency and sort of dogged him. After it was revealed that Hillary Clinton was using a private email server while she was Secretary of State, Peter Smith became, I think it's fair to say, mildly obsessed by this notion that her server would almost certainly have been compromised or broken into by foreign government hackers who would have obtained all of the emails that were on that server. And he was most interested in finding out, A, if that was true, and B, if that happened, whether those foreign governments or foreign hackers would have also obtained the 30,000-plus emails that Clinton claimed that she deleted from the server because they were of a personal nature and had nothing to do with her work as secretary, which people will remember became also an obsession of many of her critics, that she must have deleted these emails because she was hiding things about the Clinton Foundation or her speaking uh, gigs, uh, what she was paid for them, her business connections, things that would have shown evidence of corruption. And Peter Smith firmly believed that they would, in fact, have shown that. And he got the idea of, well, basically, if they're out there someplace, um, could we find them? According to the Mueller report, Smith wasn't alone in his obsession. Throughout 2016, the Trump campaign expressed interest in Hillary Clinton's private email server and whether approximately 30,000 emails from that server had in fact been permanently destroyed, as reported by the media. Several individuals associated with the campaign were contacted in 2016 about various efforts to obtain the missing Clinton emails and other stolen material in support of the Trump campaign. Some of these contacts were met with skepticism and nothing came of them. Others were pursued to some degree. After candidate Trump stated on July 27, 2016, that he hoped Russia would, quote, find the 30,000 emails that are missing, unquote, Trump asked individuals associated with his campaign to find the deleted Clinton emails. Michael Flynn, who would later serve as national security advisor in the Trump administration, recalled that Trump made this request repeatedly. 
According to the Mueller report, Donald Trump was obsessed with trying to obtain Hillary Clinton's deleted 30,000 emails and, in fact, had directed his staff, including Michael Flynn, to go out and try to find them. Uh, in fact, what the Mueller report finds was that it appears to have been Donald Trump's insistence to Mike Flynn to go find these emails that then initiates Flynn going out to Peter Smith, who he had known previously, and engaging him on that very question. What was I guess sort of surprising to me, though, was to find out the degree to which this was internally an obsession that Trump kept returning to. There are multiple points in the Mueller report in this kind of key section with Peter Smith and then around in some other places that point to the ongoing interest that Trump had. And there's pieces in the report that are redacted that would seem to reveal even more about the proactive efforts that the campaign was making to try and obtain her emails and other derogatory information. I mean, it was surprising to find out how much behind the scenes Trump was pushing people. I mean, I could, I guess in my mind, I think I kind of imagined this largely as something that maybe Mike Flynn was up to on his own with Peter Smith. It was surprising to find out that essentially Mike Flynn was, you know, carrying out the orders of his boss. Flynn subsequently contacted multiple people in an effort to obtain the emails. Barbara Ledeen and Peter Smith were among the people contacted by Flynn. Barbara Ledeen is a former longtime Senate staffer. She had begun independent efforts to locate deleted Clinton emails as early as December 2015. Ledeen sent Smith a 25-page proposal outlining a three-phase plan to obtain those emails. Smith didn't buy into Ledeen's plan, but he set off on a quest to get the emails himself. Just weeks after Trump's July 2016 request to find the Clinton emails, however, Smith tried to locate and obtain the emails himself. He created a company raised tens of thousands of dollars, and recruited security experts and business associates. Smith made claims to others involved in the effort that he was in contact with hackers with, quote, ties and affiliations to Russia, unquote, who had access to the emails and that his efforts were coordinated with the Trump campaign. Shane Harris spoke to Smith personally in the course of his reporting. Oh, he actively represented himself as being deeply connected to the campaign at some of the highest levels. He said that he was leading this effort and that Michael Flynn, the national security advisor of the Trump campaign, was aware of the effort and was supportive of it. He held out Flynn as essentially his contact and conduit on the Trump campaign, um, the one that he went to, that he was keeping apprised of this. Um, and while he never said that he was taking any direction from Mike Flynn or from the campaign, um, he also made it very clear that he was keeping them up to date on it and that they were supportive of the effort. But Mike Flynn was the one who he really held out as the guy who was the go-to on the Trump campaign who knew about this, which I have to say at the time did make some sense because Mike Flynn was also another person who was obsessed with Hillary Clinton's emails, as was his boss, then-candidate Donald Trump. Smith really is in contact with campaign staff. On August 28, 2016, Smith sent an email from an encrypted account with the subject, Secretary Clinton's unsecured private email server to an undisclosed list of recipients, including campaign co-chairman Sam Clovis. 
The email stated that Smith was, quote, just finishing two days of sensitive meetings here in D.C. with involved groups to poke and probe on the above. It is clear that the Clinton's home-based unprotected server was hacked with ease by both state-related players and private mercenaries. Parties with varying interests are circling to release ahead of the election, unquote. Behind the scenes, Smith is also establishing an LLC in order to fund the search for Clinton's emails. Again, remember that those emails probably don't exist anywhere. On September 2, 2016, Smith directed a business associate to establish KLS Research LLC in furtherance of his search for the deleted Clinton emails. One of the purposes of KLS Research was to manage the funds Smith raised in support of his initiative. KLS Research received over $30,000 during the presidential campaign, although Smith represented that he raised even more money. Smith recruited multiple people for his initiative, including security experts, to search for and authenticate the emails. One of the security experts that Smith reached out to was a former GCHQ hacker named Matt Tate. Tate had developed a reputation for insightful commentary about what could be learned from various large FOIA document releases, including FOIA releases about Hillary Clinton. Back in June 2017, I spoke to Tate about being contacted by Smith. So I get this email out of the blue, basically from someone claiming to be you know, uh, reasonably close to the uh, Trump campaign, saying, hey, we're interested in some of the work that you've done on emails, and we'd like to talk to you. We'd like to, you know, uh, uh, get your views on some things. And so my initial thought was, oh, they've been reading the stuff that I've done on the Russian hacking. And from my perspective, that, that, that was enough for me to, you know, be willing to pick up the phone and, and have a phone conversation with them. And sort of my initial impression speaking with this guy, who is Peter Smith, was that, you know, he was very, very ideologically on side with uh, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, he was uh, uh, very, very much convinced of the uh, uh, Trump campaign narrative at the time. They were really, really convinced that uh, Hillary Clinton's server had certainly been hacked, uh, almost certainly by the Russians and probably several other people as well. And then he said something really interesting, which was that he said that he and his team had someone on the inside who had been contacted or, or had access to some of these emails, not just from the DNC, but from Hillary Clinton's private server itself. And this really made me sort of sit up and take attention because, you know, th this is sort of anyone from claiming to be from the Trump camp saying we've got some kind of inside knowledge into, you know, emails that might be coming out. That was something that was worth having extra phone calls about. It was definitely something to, you know, really try and dig into to see if there was anything there. Here's the problem with Smith's plan. It appears the emails don't actually exist. There's never been any evidence that the emails that Hillary Clinton said she deleted were either not deleted uh, or were stolen by foreign hackers or anyone else or were placed someplace on the dark web, not on the server. In Peter Smith's mind, he was very successful insofar as he believed that he had made contact with somewhere between five and six 
groups of hackers that he believed were credible insofar as he believed that A, they had access to Hillary Clinton's stolen email, uh, and B, that they had some kind of connections to a government which would speak to their actual capabilities. He thought that he had made contact with Russian hackers. He believed that. He told people that. He told me that. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if actual people had contacted him. The question is whether they're actual Russians with the actual goods, right? Um, but to the degree that the Trump campaign was openly advertising, hey, Russia, if you're listening, hope you can get the emails. And we know from the Mueller report that the next day, for the first time, Russian hackers targeted Clinton's personal office. I mean, it seems to me that there were probably all kinds of people out there, you know, in the in the hacker community or whatever you want to call it, the dark web, who would have been obviously aware that there were people in Trump's world with a great interest in pilfered material and who might even be willing to pay for it. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he had people knocking on his door. Peter Smith believes these emails exist, and he's in contact with people who claim to be in a position to sell them, people Smith thinks are Russian hackers. The one part Smith is suspicious of is whether the emails he is being offered are the real deal. What he was less sure of was whether or not the material that they were offering him was actually Hillary Clinton's email or whether they were fabricated emails or whether they were just emails that had been released before uh, in big batches. And so he undertook another effort related to his email hunt, kind of the next phase of it, to try and do some kind of verification or authenticity testing uh, of the emails. Peter Smith sends a document to people he wants to assist in his effort. The document claims explicitly that he is working with the Trump campaign. In early September 2016, as part of his recruitment and fundraising effort, Smith circulated a document stating that his initiative was, quote, in coordination, unquote, with the Trump campaign, quote, to the extent permitted as an independent expenditure organization, unquote. The document listed multiple individuals affiliated with the Trump campaign, including Flynn, Clovis, Bannon, and Kellyanne Conway. The investigation established that Smith communicated with at least Flynn and Clovis about his search for the deleted Clinton emails, but the office did not identify evidence that any of the listed individuals initiated or directed Smith's efforts. Individuals associated with the campaign have denied any involvement with his plan. They basically disavowed any knowledge of him whatsoever. Um, they said, you know, we don't know who this Peter Guy Smith guy is. You know, we don't know what he's up to. Kellyanne Conway said, like, yeah, I maybe have met him once, but I haven't seen him in a long time. And, and we should be clear, too, he did definitely have connections to some of these people. I mean, is he knew Steve Bannon. Um, he knew Michael Flynn. And Michael Flynn was most certainly aware of what Peter Smith was doing, was getting updates on it, and was deeply interested in what Peter Smith was doing. In September 2016, Smith and Ledeen got back in touch with each other about their respective efforts. Ledeen wrote to Smith, quote, wondering if you had some more detailed reports or memos or other data you could share because we have come a long way in our efforts since we last visited. We would need as much technical discussion as possible so we could marry it against new data we have found and then share it back to you your eyes only, unquote. Ledeen claimed to have obtained a trove of emails from what she described as the dark web that purported to be the deleted Clinton emails. 
Ledeen wanted to authenticate the emails and solicited contributions to fund that effort. Eric Prince provided funding to hire a tech advisor to ascertain the authenticity of the emails. According to Prince, the tech advisor determined that the emails were not authentic. Eric Prince is the former CEO of Blackwater and a U.S. businessman with ties to the Trump administration. Prince's advisors say Ledeen's emails aren't authentic. And when investigators look at Peter Smith's computer, they also don't find evidence that he'd obtained any real emails in advance. Investigators do find two files downloaded from WikiLeaks that had been attached to John Podesta's emails, but there's no evidence Smith had obtained them prior to their public release by WikiLeaks. Smith continued to send emails to an undisclosed recipient list about Clinton's deleted emails until shortly before the election. For example, on October 28, 2016, Smith wrote that there was, quote, a tug of war going on within WikiLeaks over its planned release in the next few days, unquote, and that WikiLeaks, quote, has maintained that it will save its best revelations for last under the theory that this allows little time for response prior to the U.S. election November 8th, unquote. An attachment to the email claimed that WikiLeaks would release, quote, all 33K deleted emails by November 1st, unquote. No emails obtained from Clinton's server were subsequently released. Smith drafted multiple emails stating or intimating that he was in contact with Russian hackers. The investigation did not establish that Smith was in contact with Russian hackers or that Smith, Ledeen, or other individuals in touch with the Trump campaign ultimately obtained the deleted Clinton emails. No individuals in or associated with the Trump campaign seem to have ultimately obtained these hacked Clinton emails, probably because they don't exist. But they did try to do exactly that. They tried very hard to obtain hacked Clinton emails in a period of time in which it was publicly known that the Russians had targeted the DNC and other Democratic targets. And that 30,000 email comment that Trump made at a press conference? That came at the same time that Trump was privately pushing for his team to locate those very emails. Donald Trump may have been eager to push ahead, but others, outside the campaign orbit, raised serious reservations at the time. Here's Matt Tate again. Um, so from my perspective, the, the thing that always really stood out to me was that this always felt really wrong, given the amount of attention that was in the media to the fact that this was very likely, uh, that, that this hacker was very likely uh, from the Russian government. It was not a secret at the time that these conversations were going on that it was likely that the Russian government was behind the hack of the DNC. And so for the Trump campaign, or for this, this sort of offshoot of the Trump campaign, to be really actively seeking for those emails felt really wrong. And I think my initial conversations with them were really trying to make that point. You know, this is the Russian government. You really don't want to play this game. And they were absolutely convinced that they needed to get these emails in order to damage Hillary Clinton, and they really didn't care whether or not this was really the Russian government or whether they were being duped. It was all about the campaign at that point. 
the Trump campaign had few, if any, concerns about benefiting from the Russian efforts. They planned a campaign and communication strategy around WikiLeaks releases, and they attempted to communicate with WikiLeaks, both through intermediaries like Roger Stone and directly through John Jr. It turns out Don Jr. wasn't just exchanging Twitter DMs with WikiLeaks. On July 9th, 2016, he arranged a meeting at Trump Tower for the campaign and a group of Russians promising dirt on his father's opponent. The huge day in Washington regarding the Russian investigation regarding the now infamous Trump Tower meeting where If it's what you say, I love it, especially for later in the summer. Don Jr. has fervently denied any connection or collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. Obviously highly sensitive information, but as part of Russia and its government's support of Mr. Trump. Trump's son, Donald Trump Jr., was expecting the Russians to supply dirt on Hillary Clinton. This was, again, just basic information that was going to be possibly there. Thank you for listening to part three of The Report. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation and the Democracy Fund, and by listeners like you. To support this project, please go to lawfareblog.com. The Report is a production of Lawfare and Goat Rodeo in Washington, D.C. Ian Enright is the executive producer. From the Lawfare team, the project is led by executive editor Susan Hennessy. Editor-in-chief is Benjamin Wittes. Managing editor Quinta Jurassic conducted the interviews. Associate editor Michaela Fogel did the recordings and script assistance, with additional recordings by Vishnu Kanan and assistance from Hadley Baker, Eugenia Lostri, and Jacob Schultz. Voicing by Benjamin Wittes and Susan Hennessy. Special thanks to Shane Harris, Julia Yaffe, Quinta Jurassic, Mark Mazzetti, Matt Tate, and you, the listening audience. To support this show, please share this podcast wherever you can. And while you're at it, please subscribe and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Our website, lawfareblog.com, is where you can learn more about Lawfare, read our work, subscribe to our newsletter, and support our mission. Until next time. You're listening to Goat Rodeo. Keep an ear out for us.